Hey guys, welcome to the Single Parent Succeed podcast. Coming up, we have an amazing guest, so stay tuned for some absolutely incredible conversation. Honestly, what an inspiration. I'm so excited to be doing this with amazing and incredible people. So tune in and catch you on the other side. I'm excited. And I'm excited because I get to have a conversation with somebody that uh, that has known me and I have known for, uh, well, I think we met originally probably about 12 years back. Yeah, more. Uh, 15. Yeah, and it, should we, Rabbi David Katz or David Katz? How do we want to refer? How do we I, want to? Well, you don't look like a rabbi. You look I nothing know, so, like a rabbi. <laughs> I know. So these days, I think I'm going by David Katz more than Rabbi Katz. All right, awesome, good stuff. Yeah. So, um, all right, David, David Katz, and um, we are. We'll see what's going on. There we go. Watching myself stream. So, anyways, if you guys are watching this on on the live stream, feel free to ask any questions. Pop in, um, say hello. I'm going to check up on it every uh, every once in a while. Sometimes it does lag a little bit, so we aren't we're not able to see the questions immediately, but we'll do our best to check it out. And uh, for any of you watching or anybody that's seen the actual tag, uh, David has a pretty, uh, I would say, pretty incredible story. Um, and I think that um, the pictures speak for themselves. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked. And, uh, and, and I, I've been watching him from afar and, and I, I thought the man must have either taken some sort of drugs or, or I don't know what the hell or, you know, what the hell happened. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, I reached out and I didn't even realize also that Dave is, is also a single dad story. And, um, and that's why we're here to talk about that and talk about what, uh, you know, what he, what he can share with us, the wisdom he could share with us and chat and, and, uh, and you know, and uh, let's get started, man. So tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself. There it is. So when I met you, I don't, I don't even know how you got to it. We, we met in Scott and Shiva and I think I wasn't married. What year did you get there? I got there. I mean, I originally got there in 2006. I had a... Right, uh, right. You yeah. were like the crew at the end of my run because I was there for seven years. And you were like, I think the last year where I didn't really associate with the guys because I was just about to get married to my first wife. So like, you know, you were like the Saved by the Bell second second cast, you know. Let's let's, <laughs> let's, let's give it just a little background here um, in regards to Spot. I don't, I have a hard time imagining that there are uh, right, people know. <laughs> five people listening that know what that city is and and what, what's what's how can we. Uh, how city can we in the north it? of Israel, where the the Kabbalah, the mystical teachings were brought down like five six hundred years ago and now it's an like an artist colony and it's like a when we were there it's just a chill place for idiot 20 year old kids <laughs> run around and it's like safe from terrorism and it's like you know parents or whatever send your kids there and there's no fear and and there was like no boundaries just run around this ancient village <laughs> like cobblestone pads through you know, all hours of the night, smoking argila, playing guitar, 
and uh, you know i was there to study uh, and just everyone was there for different reasons and we all bonded like everyone was cool whether you're there to get high drink to hang out refuge from your parents in new york get an education like world traveler guy whatever you were doing we all it was a vibe when i think yeah. the common bond was just show up for lunch that was like the one rule everyone had to show up for the lunch <laughs> And um, no one, I don't think anyone really knew anyone's deeper stories. And like thousands of people came through there, like, you know, people from Jerusalem coming up for weekends. And you just kind of knew everybody on some shallow level. And my story was that I was there. Um, by that time, I was like an ex wrestler, graduated high school in 96, bounced around for five years, got to Israel, overweight. Um, you were an ex-wrestler? Yeah, yeah, I wrestled in high school. And I gained weight because when you're, li- you know, when you're active and young, you can eat 3,000 plus calories and just work it off and lift weights and build muscle. Then when you quit, it's going to turn to fat really, really quick. And they I want to interrupt you here because if you, whoever is listening to this, watching this, I highly recommend you guys check out the photo that I'm uploading just so you have an idea over here of what we're talking about, because I think it's one thing to hear about this. It's another thing to see. Right. And I, I swear to you, it will blow your mind away. And if it doesn't, you can contact me and I'll have to refund you on the, the time. <laughs> Guarantee you it will. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, after high school, you know, a couple of years after, I probably got to about 210 of just, you know, eating Domino's pizza on the weekends and just laying on the couch watching movies, um, trying to figure out my life, you know, community college, working day jobs. And um, eventually I wanted to get into religion, right? That's when my life, like, you know, I started thinking about the deeper meanings of life philosophies. And as a Jew, you know, you discover your Jewish roots, go to Israel. It was kind of cool to be here at that time, 2001. I get here, I'm about 220-ish. And then by the, I got married in 2007. So it was like seven years of study. You got there at the end of that run. And I'm going to be about 235 when I get married. And I guess that's where, where we'll segue into my single dad story, right? So... Yeah, well, you, I mean, you're build-wise, uh, you, you're, I mean, you got. Yeah, I was five, I was five, I'm five, King seven, and, and in that picture you saw there, about 275. 275, that was in, that was in Yeshiva, or that was after? No, that was post, that was uh, as late as 2018. You were 275 pounds, five foot seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, my, my single days, I got up to about 235, 240. Uh-huh. Right? So my early single days, like post high school, about 215. Then you figure you add about 20 pounds into your mid-20s. And then about, what, 10, 20 pounds every year after that. Well, I mean, were so, you big in high school? Muscular. I, I weighed about like this 175, and I was the strongest guy in my high school. I was benching about 350. Holy shit! You're benching 350 pounds. How yeah. I many? How? Like one. One time. One bench. Yeah. yeah. So I was really I was in the weight room, but I was like raw. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, and just I was working at pizza shops, so I was eating a massive amount of calories. But I was an active kid, right? We're gonna run around town doing kid stuff, 
uh, you know, every weekend, all night. I mean, I, I never sat home. I had zero sedentary behavior. And it wasn't until I got into, into academics that it just, you know, it switched, right? So I just got disillusioned on, on gyms, working out. You know, it's, once you're out of it, it's really hard to get motivated to get back into it, right? Once you're, once you're not moving. Yeah. Right? Once you're not I in, was the so in the habit of, of exercising. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was so into the weight room. And then, you know, just partying for those good couple of years after high school. I tried a couple times to get back into a gym. And I didn't, I didn't understand it. Like I would be sore the next day. And I thought, oh man, this is too much. Right. I just didn't, I didn't know. I didn't have the maturity how to push through, like literally push my body through. And now I'm seeing, you know, at the end of the story, you'll see it's not so hard, but back then I was too young and too definitely to hear it. So I gave up quickly every time. Yeah. Well, I mean, there has to be some sort of motivation there. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. When I was in high school, my motivation was, well, I, I mean, I started exercising when I was 16 started working out and I liked it. I had muscles and I felt yeah. good. And, and I had a routine every single day after school, I go to the gym. Right. So at, at some point, you know, it was, uh, it made me feel good about myself, you know? So especially, uh, with the self-esteem, you know, that definitely helped the self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, I, I got into a deep, uh, mental phase, like thinking, meditating, I was studying philosophy and I mean, I was on a search, you know, I was, remember back in the day, there was Borders Bookstore. Uh, it's like pre-internet, right? And so I would drive to work and on my way home from work, I'd, I'd pull over to the bookstore and just browse through the aisles, you know, just really trying to find like that ancient wisdom, right? So I really didn't care about my body or muscles or anything. I just wanted to develop my brains. I come from secular Dayton, Ohio, you know, Centerville, Ohio High School, just you know, middle of nowhere, football school, where it's all about lifting weights and running around town for Friday, Saturday nights. And, you know, they don't nourish your mind at all. I mean, it's pretty, pretty numbing. So after high school, I just, I mean, think about the time that it was like 1998, I started discovering like music, you know, the doors and Pink Floyd and uh, all that stuff. And it was just mine, it was opening my mind, you know, and I started just thinking about uh, different things and I, I didn't care about what I looked like or my body. I just, I was thirsty and starving for knowledge and wisdom. I started writing poetry and like all the things that we make fun of kids for in high school, you know, I started getting into. And so the search lasted about five years and I discovered I wanted to learn, you know, Jewish wisdom um, because I had found enough truth in it. So that, that's what got me to Israel. And so I'm going to take my studies very seriously. I'm going to be studying pretty much from six in the morning till midnight every day for seven years. Six in the morning, six to six. Well, if I can do my math right, that seems to be about um, 18 hours a day or something. Uh, 18 hours a day. Actually, yeah. You were insane. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. I was, you know, waking up at six and it wouldn't stop till midnight. And that's just, you know, Sunday through Friday and then sleep in on Saturday and start it all over again. And, um, huh? 18 hours, like 18 hours a day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're a committed man. That's it. So yeah. I, I got, you know, I got what I was looking for. I found my, you know, the wisdom stuff. I got, became a rabbi and met my wife in 2007. And she, you know, I come from like the European, 
white background and she comes from Moroccan, like the Moroccan background. It's a little bit mm -hmm. different worlds. Well, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, for anyone in, uh, just to give a little bit of background in the, in the Jewish world, it's completely two different, I guess, you know, it's, it's like black a, and white it's like black and white getting married on that level yeah you, i mean but it's like it's like there's like a uh i mean the culture just that right is a very different totally totally culture it's, over it's, there yeah it just imagine it's as different as possible you know yeah so uh, the marriage we had nothing in common i think it was just that i i was so not myself you know overweight and, you know I'm going to see that the real me is in shape, but I saw I was not me. And she connected to the part that really wasn't me. And I connected to something in her that was God only knows what. So it was a total mismatch. I mean, it and wasn't it you, you. What were you saying? Was What wasn't you? I mean, my wife now knows me. Like, you know, I consider the real me in shape, fit, and active. But I mean, right? what, what wasn't you about the overweight you? I, mean, I think she liked the fat guy. She she liked that I, I sat and didn't move and and wasn't physical. I wasn't interested in walking and she connected to it, whatever it is. And like for me now, I don't connect to it. I don't even get it. I don't even really remember being that guy. I don't, I don't have any recollection of what I was doing. Not you really. Might, you might like. I, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm interested here. I guess as a coach, I'm like, so what exactly about it wasn't you? You know, what was it that like your focus? I, mean, I can explain it in Jewish terms. same person, what? I can explain it in Jewish terms. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, let's, you know, let's try to, let's, let's keep it in uh, yeah. as Jewish as you want, but let's try to do it in a way that people are going to understand. Uh, so, the... Basically, imagine being an academic, right? Sitting in a library all day. And it's like my brother, you know, he, uh, he became big on Wall Street. And his, yeah. his success was, you know, he would say he would go to the library with a tin, he would put a dip in with a, you know, take a tin of dip and with a spit cup. And he would not leave the library until that cup was full, right? So he would sit there for hours studying. And so he, he drilled that mentality in me so that my mentality was, if I'm gonna get an education, then I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna study 18 hours a day. And so that time frame, I was committed to it. Like strictly, I'm just about studying. And so that guy, I, see, I'm the kind of person that I believe wherever I'm at. Whatever I'm doing, I'm believing in. And so I didn't know that I would re-find this, phys this physical stuff. You know, I, I had no idea. So I thought this was it. I lost the physicality. I'm overweight, done. I'm a studier, period. And so I'm, I marry a woman. So this was like an identity. You would like identify with being yeah, a scholar. Exactly. Yeah. And it was like, forget, you know, there's no matter. Yeah. In school, you, you know, you guys all called me Big Dave, and that became yes. who I was. And right. I believed it. I bought into it. I believed it. And I didn't think there was I actually saved your, your photo as Big Dave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you guys invented that guy because I didn't know him growing up, and that's not who I was. And in, in Israel, this thing was created, Big Dave, and Big Dave got married under the pretense of Big Dave. And she connected to Big Dave, and that was it. I mean, it was just Big Dave. And I kind of found out who Big Dave was, and I became Rabbi Big Dave, right? Rabbi Katz is Big Dave. It was all Big Dave. And, you know, what I used to call Dayton Dave, which was my high school days, was just kind of like um, 
what do you call that? Like your when you reminisce in your old days, like the golden days, like nostalgia. Yeah, it was nostalgia. You know, I was young and I was in the weight room, and you guys don't know how strong I was, and I come from you know this background, and it was like it was dreaming. Like like I was, uh, I wished I could get back to that guy, but yet it wasn't a real wish. I, I divorced him. I, I was it was so far from my mind. He's gone, and I'm this big Dave, and that's how it was. And so I'm going to marry her. And she really, I think, I, looking back, I mean, she died in 2012. That's how I became single. Wow. In 2000. Right? So your first, your first wife died in 2012. Yeah. Oh. So I became a widower. And I realized that she really connected and, and I think loved and married Big Dave. But I think Big Dave struggled because I didn't, I thought I, I connected to myself, but seeing now, I totally didn't. It, it was How old were you when you when, when you had gotten married, or when you had that realization at least? Actually, not till I lost the weight, because until I lost the weight, I kept buying into this character. How old were you when you uh, started losing this weight? Forty. It's almost two years ago. It'll be two years in July. Holy fuck! So I mean, for anybody that is um, feels like it's you know it's just too late, and you know. Guys, look at his goddamn picture. Oh my god! So at forty years old, that's when you yeah. start doing doing the losing. Because everyone thing. says at forty, you you go through like <laughs> this like life changing understanding. I'm not gonna say that's true, but I I bought into it and I anticipated it. So I planned all this stuff for my fortieth birthday. I was on tour for my rabbi work in America, which you're gonna have and to I tell went, us about also. But yeah. I went and visited like my where my my parents are from and I went back on this nostalgic family tree mission to like connect to like where I come from. I didn't know what I was doing, but it just it seemed kind of cool. And I thought, I don't know, man, this is the weirdest thing. I don't even know. Before I went on that trip, I was I my body was so broken down from stress. My work is very stressful. It's controversial work. And it's like, you know, people say like you're I'm a fraud, I'm teaching the wrong thing. But like they were, they were calling me out on my education. Now you know where I got educated. You were there. So yeah. one thing it was not was it was not a fraud. You know, what I'm saying like it was legit. So I know where I come from, but a lot of people don't. And so you know, I came out with like, a, like innovative teachings in, in in religion, and it and it was the things that we just studied back in in the day. Um, but people that I work with, they don't know. So it was just stressful, a lot of controversy online. And I just really fantasized about a jacuzzi and a song. I thought, I don't know, man. I just need to like vent at the end of the day, get somewhere where boiling water will just get on my skin and, and you know, zone out. Because you know, in Israel, it's all like showers and like you squeegee the floor. There's no big bathtub and jacuzzi. It's not America where you got that. And I just reminisced of like, if I could just have a jacuzzi at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to be rich enough at this point to have like my own pool, right? So where can I get this experience as if I had a pool in my backyard? And I thought, I'll join a gym. And I found out there was a gym down the street. Uh, I didn't know about it. My mom, who made uh, citizenship to help me raise my kids at a certain point, uh, she after, was after, the, after your wife passed away. Yeah, so that I could, she, was, she would go back and forth to American Israel so that I could travel. So she was here helping out the kids for when I was on the road. And so she knew there was a gym down the street. And I went for my trip and I said, look, do you guys have a sauna and a, and a jacuzzi? And they said, yeah. 
So I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to theoretically join when I get home. And so somehow, I don't remember why or how, on this tour, I started telling people, and again, I don't know what I was, I was thinking. I don't know. It wasn't BS, but I don't know what I was going through. I said, next time you see me, I'm going to look different. I'm going to lose the weight. I don't know. It just, it seemed like the right thing to say, you know, I'm 40 and I'm going to do this gym thing. And, but I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't get it in, in the background. I was like getting interested in wrestling again. Cause there's a website called flowwrestling.org. Um, and it's all about like, you know, wrestling videos and they're, they're it's like MMA type stuff. They're, they're, they're upping the game. And I started connecting like you know, what, what is the truth of wrestling and what was I into? Just again, more nostalgia. You know, if I would have been interested in baseball cards, finding baseballcard.com, you know, like what's the, just finding out what I was into back in the day. And I started, you know, following stuff on Instagram and I started seeing like, you know, these guys are fit, you know, and it started just percolating like, you know, Ohio state guys. And, and I started thinking like, you know, why wasn't I a good wrestler? Where did it go wrong? And again, not, not feeling sorry for myself, but trying to like dig the pieces from my past to put this puzzle together because I was strong and I was good, but yet I had this mental thing of where I was looking for the deeper meaning of life and, you know, sports in America and Jewish mysticism doesn't exactly gel, right? And they don't go together, but 16-year-old David doesn't know how to reconcile that. So it's like either I'm fit and I'm working out or I'm done and I'm studying, and as I get in my 30s, I'm trying to reconcile. I don't get it. I was there at 16. I had it. And I drop it. And I go for like the meditation stuff. And I do that. And yet I'm thinking about the physical stuff. And it was just, I was having dreams, reoccurring dreams at night. What's, yeah, I think what's interesting over here, and, and you know, we'll continue with, I want to hear what you're saying, but it seems like these are completely two different characters in mind. And, and it's funny that that the minds will split, you know, the spiritual uh, journey and the physical journey. When I think the ideal way to to go about it is is that they're, you know, they're one in one. They go hand That's in hand. That's it. I mean, you know? when I was in my room studying for those hours, what people don't know, right, is I was in there meditating and working and studying, and I would have headphones on, and people would see that, but they weren't, they didn't know what I was listening to. I'm listening to Nirvana, Pearl Jam, ACDC, like in a, in a spiritual religious academy, that wrestler guy was still in my head. Like most people give up the rock and roll, right? And, and the intensity. And I'm bringing the intensity to my studies. So like when I'm traveling international, I'm listening to like Metallica on the airplane to stuff that I would have warmed up to in a wrestling match. And so I'm bringing that intensity to my rabbinic work. And people are like, what are you like? What are you listening to? And I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> some meditative. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Like, this, is, this is like my, this is like ACDC Thunderstruck, right? Yeah. Like, Wait, can, that, struck. can that work? And it, like, for me, that's how it always was. So I was always reconciling that. They were never split. But I went, it just, it went, it was together and apart at the same time. And so as I'm trying to put them, put them together, I literally was having recurring dreams all those years in, in Israel. I'm you know, back on the mat and I can't wrestle because I'm overweight. I'm, I'm back in high school trying, I'm, I'm like these dreams and I can't get away from it. So when I get married, 
the internet starting to get big. Facebook comes out, right? I'm married in 2006. 2006. Yeah, 2006. Right. And so Facebook figure is brand new, right? I mean, brand new. And I'm starting, <sighs> I'm starting to like you know, go on YouTube and look for videos of wrestling from back in the day. I'm trying to put this puzzle together. And I, I realized in my 30s and I accepted that I'm a fan of the sport. I didn't know why. I'm like, look, I'm into religion. I get it. But for whatever, like, whatever reason, I'm a wrestling fan. Like that was my reconciliation. Like I'm a fan. I follow it. I want to be up to date. So by the time of 2008, it was the Beijing Olympics. And in wrestling, it's all about the gold medal. So I was like, trying to figure out who's the who, who's getting the gold medal. And that journey took four years. By then, figure where we're at. It's 2012. Olympics, London Games. My wife just died. I got two kids, three and two years old. Wow. So I'm a single dad, widower. I'm heavily in my rabbinic work. And the Olympic Games are there. So like my wrestling stuff is ready for the Olympic Games, which is like the big, you know, wait, wait, wait. moment. Hold on. What do you mean your wrestling stuff? Meaning that you wanted, you were prepping... You wanted no, to I was I was becoming like the fan par excellence. Like the Olympic uh -huh. Games are the big performance. Right. So I put this puzzle together in my head that I can understand who's who and I understand who's wrestling. I'm following it. I have okay, my first so you're smartphone. A big fan. Right. And I got my first smartphone. Remember, it's 2012. This is brand new. So I'm like uh checking things out on Instagram. Remember, this is all brand new. It's not this is 10 years ago almost. Wow. And so I'm, I'm like up to date and, and the secular stuff. I'm able to follow along and, and know who's who and where right. they come from, right? And, and I'm synchronizing these worlds. So now it's 2012. I'm an overweight rabbi starting my work, very controversial, and I'm getting into fanhood and I'm deep in fa single fatherhood, changing diapers on my own, figuring out that game. So there's all these coordinates that I'm figuring out and they're, they're growing, they're, they're real, they're, they're hatched. Wow. You know? Tell us it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot going on over there. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of fathers in the group over here that, uh, that are also single dads and that are going through intense, you know, experiences, especially during COVID. And That's it. I mean, then you throw in, you know, the night that they told me my wife died, I mean, we were split and then just afterwards she died, right? So you know, the story, she took her life. That's, that's oh what happened. God. Just after the divorce, she felt bad about it. In the Jewish religion, I'm a priest and she can't, you can't remarry and it, it broke her. So they come, the social workers come to my house Wow. Yeah. and they, they asked me, do you want us to take your kids away from you? I'm like, what? And they're like, well, you know, you're a guy and you're, you know, in this man cave. And so I'll tell you, this is a great story. And I wasn't oh. planning on telling you this because it's all new. My oh. wife now, fast forward, we're in 2020, gave birth two weeks ago tonight. Congratulations. So oh, yeah. where are we at? Last we just came out the Sabbath this weekend. So not this weekend, but weekend before. Yeah. She's in the hospital with broken water. And I tell the kids, this is probably our last time ever together, the three of us. Because, you know, the new guy is coming home 
and that's it. You got, you know, there's the third wheel to this thing. And so we all, we had a deep talk. And, and this is where I want to tell you the day that I, that I got my kids back and I told them this, I said, guys, we had nothing. I was a broke single dad in the north of Israel. I got a two bedroom apartment. Maybe I'll get my kids once in a while. Maybe. So, so I prepared for that. Let me get your kids back from from visitation. From Maybe my wife will let me see my kids. So I have a two bedroom apartment. Last, uh -huh. maybe I get the right to see my kids, right? Uh -huh. So you see, like that single dad pride is in there. I'm thinking ahead, right? I'm not thinking get a little closet. I'm thinking spend the extra 500, get two rooms, and be a man about it. And if you're gonna get custody on some level. Yeah. Be ready with the two-bedroom apartment to put your kids up. Yeah. So I can't afford it, but I do it because it's the right thing to do. I'm not going to have a little closet and then not have my kids come. Because she lives about three hours away. So she I don't know three if hours away. Wow. my kids, but I'm going to be ready for it. By the time I'm ready, she's dead. So I get a phone call from the social workers in Jerusalem on Friday morning, come get your kids. I don't have a car. I have no money. I got nothing. I, I don't even know. I found, I mean, I had a little bit of money, so I'm working a little bit. I get a rent a car, drive down, get the kids. They're free. And they're three and two years old. Dad, dad, dad. And I had to go to the bathroom. They like climb under the door in the stall and they're jumping on me and it's intense. We get back to our town and I told the kids this, this past weekend, right? I said, guys, I said, look around you. I said, do you like your house? I said, yeah, yeah, dad, we love this. I said, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? I said, do you like your life? Yeah, dad. I said, do you like your, your clothes, your toys, your activities, your community? You like all this? I'm like, this is great. It's a good. Because in 2012, when I got you back, no food, no clothes, no toys. It was just man cave and my stuff. And you guys had nothing. Zero. Nothing. So the first thing I did was I called a friend who had kids about the same age. And I said, look, man, I need some kid food right away and some kid clothes <laughs> and some toys. <laughs> he brought me over like some yogurts and those goofy little kids sweatpants and like stuff and and then I made an ad in the in the local town classifieds not asking for like charity case I'm just like look it's a little situation over here anybody that you know doesn't need their toys or clothes for this age um you know it'd be nice every day people are dropping off toys clothes and food take a couple days to like figure it out, figure out where the kindergarten is, get them enrolled. Social workers are calling. I'm like, I got it. And they were a nuisance for three years trying to get my kids for me. Three years. So bit by bit, piece by piece, right? You understood like, I mean, you showed up as a dad and yeah. what you're doing. And they're is always looking like, you know, I told my wife now, like, show no weakness, right? If you show a crack in the system, it's like, oh, we can help you. No problem. Yeah, we'll help. No. When they help you, you are inventing a problem that doesn't 
exist. And in the way the system works here is if you say you have no problems, that's not reality, right? There, there's, the government makes problems like coronavirus. You're going to say there's no problem? You have a problem. There is like no school right now. You have a problem. And the question the government would say, since you have a problem, because you do have a problem, how are you handling that? So if you're going to be all guy about it, I got no problems. Yes, you do. There's no schools right now. How are you watching your kids? That's a problem. So if you admit there's no problem, you're a liar. And if you create new problems, that's a problem. <laughs> so you have to admit you, you're, you're, your Either way, you're fucked. Right. You have to admit your problem and deal with it. So they're like, Dave, we think you need a helper in the house. No, I don't think I do. And they're like, oh, we think you do. So Why? They, said, they didn't think that you, you had the ability to step help. in and take care for, for your children? Yeah. You need help folding laundry, don't you? No. Yes, you do. Listen, so bro, like, I would love a helper. I mean, no, I, no, would, no, no. I would love they, a helper. No, man. When they send a helper, they're spying and they're checking stuff out. So they sent her over and she's like, I'm going to do this. And I'm, gonna, I'm like, no, you're not. I Wait said, a second. Well, so that, they're, okay. I, I, I did said, not know this. It even existed. It, like a house help to come and help you fold stuff. And really it's, it, you know, it's somebody that's just constantly with yeah, eyes. Yeah. On they're you looking to, to redo. It's a nightmare. Nightmare. So I said, look, this is your job. You're giving my daughter a bath, period. And it was, I was very, very direct every day. So in the end, the social workers came and they said, you got to move because you're living in a man cave. I'm like, all right, you know, touche. It is a man cave. I mean, I took the apartment when I got single. Okay. I'm not going to say it's a palace. I'll give you that one. I'll move. So I moved in a nice place. Now this woman, I converted her to be my friend. She saw that I knew what I was doing. She helped organize the move. And they fired her because she helped me in a way that I actually needed help. They fired her because she should not have actually helped me with what I needed help no, with. No, it sounds like a conspiracy, man. Come oh, on. It's crazy. It's crazy. Because if you let them in. So what you're, what you're trying to say is, is that they say that they want to help you. They're yeah. sending somebody over. And when that person that they send over is, is, uh, is actually helping you. Uh, no, yeah, they because they, they want to, they help you according to the problems that it's all paperwork, right? On paper, you have problems. So I didn't let them discover new problems. Like let's say my daughter had fevers all the time, but she didn't. Then they'll say, wow, David, you know, David, are you, your daughter's got fevers. You know, are you not taking care of your daughter? You know, we think you should see, you know, this doctor and that doctor. So once you let them in, they're going to find problems. So what's the use? So is it, I remember in, um, I was watching a jail documentary. They, they, they call it Slash for Cash, where, where the, they would actually uh, confiscate knives from the jail worker, from the jail, right. jail, and then they would give them back and, and people would use them. And what would happen was, is that because people were using them, then there would be yeah. a need for more workers and then more uh, paperwork. And they would call it slash for cash. I think it was Rikers Island, I forget. Yeah. But um, is that, are we talking uh, about I'll, a similar so sort I'll of tell thing you, over here? I'll give you context by telling you how the story ends, that part of the story. 
Like, so like, like it's, it's creating more work, and this is sort of what well, they're let me, drawing let me on. The like, let me tell the no end best of the interests of the children. Yeah. Hold on. The end, the end of the story will give context, right? So in Israel, pay attention. A dead parent, their parents, which is the kids' grandparents, mm-hmm. take the right of the parent, and you must give visitation to the grandparents. It's a law, or you'll lose your kids. You cannot withhold visitation. You got that? Repeat that again. So the uh, you you can't withhold visitation from the parents of the dead parent. Yes, you will okay. lose your kids in this country. Okay. And so they didn't like me because they blame me for the death. Oh, the grandparents. Yeah. So I got this constant fight, and now they're telling the social workers, wow. "Dave, it's bad." The kids are dirty. The kids are this. And so there's a constant who's telling the truth here. It's not just a conspiracy. Uh-huh. It's, it's that I'm an overweight single guy with n- no tangible job. I mean, as a rabbi, it's like, doesn't now show we, up. Now we know why you lost weight. What's that? Then not yet. That didn't come to later. <laughs> come to later. So in the end, I took the parents to court. Um, really? To get visitation legitimate because the kids are now older than when they were in kindergarten uh-huh. and i wanted to end the fighting just end it right and so in every wisdom there's jargon terms right there's legal terms everything's got jargon and in the courtroom i won the case and they called me in hebrew abba chazak so it's a legal term I English. Am Just what, is that, what is that in English? Strong, it means strong. I've dad. proven legally yeah. that I'm a strong father. Boom! So, ba, 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 ba. Yeah. so in the system, yeah. you are not a strong father. Automatically. Prove, right? Yeah, until you prove. See, this, now, is, again, this, this is not a descriptive this term. Is, this is the problem. I mean, this is a problem that, that, that we're facing all over the world. Yeah. Because so, you, you, it's you an think, automatic assumed assumption yeah. that. You're just a good guy. You're just a good guy and you're a good father. No, man, legally, you have to be a good father. No one doubted I'm a nice guy, he takes care of his kid. Legally, are you a good father? Can I put the judge's name on it? You are a strong father. It means literally strong father. It's a legal term, right? I I won a lawsuit related to my wife, right? And the reason why I won, legally, it's called a strong case. A strong case is you hit my car and I videotaped it. I'm going to win, aren't I? Because I have what's called a strong case. I don't have to prove much. I videotaped you kicking my car. Whereas if I just called and said, this guy kicked my car, I got to prove that. I have to investigate. Where were you last Thursday? Let's call your neighbors. But if I have a video... It's called a strong case. I became a strong father in the courtroom. You can't beat that. And that took, that was built by three years of doing everything right. Meaning you, you do what they say and you don't, you don't invite new problems that don't exist. You cooperate. Meaning in, in, when you take care of little kids, they are on paper afraid of your kids being cold in the cold weather. You do not ever send your kid to school in a short sleeve shirt. I don't care if it's 80 degrees out. If it's February, <laughs> and it's 80 degrees out, 
they go in a sweater. And they'll wow. say, David, it's so hot. Why would you send them in with a sweater? Because it's February. What do you think I am? I'm not a good father. I'm going to send my kids to school in February, you know, in a short sleeve shirt. Oh, you're right. You're right. But if you send them in a short sleeve shirt, they'll say, well, it's February. What are you thinking? So you got to play that game. And one of the big fights I got into was we lived upstairs from a bakery. And I, you know, as watching two kids, I can't go to the grocery store because who's going to watch the kids? So I would make their lunches in the bakery, get them a pita, put some tuna in there, get some barracas and a bottle of water and send them to school with bakery food. Not, not donuts, I'm talking pita bread and tuna, but the, the pita bread was big. So the kindergarten's like, David, you know, the pita bread's too big. And I'm like, well, tell my daughter she doesn't have to eat the whole pita bread. And then I, but David, she says that she's afraid because you get upset when she doesn't eat. You're right, when she doesn't eat her broccoli and vegetables, I get upset. So she has to eat her broccoli and vegetables. But if she doesn't want to eat her pita bread, like, okay, David, we'll move on now. No, 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 no. You want to talk about pita bread? We'll talk about pita bread. You know, you know, we talked about this for an hour and they're like, they were so tired of this. Every argument they try to show, you know, you're not doing the right thing. I, I am. And so you made an issue out of it every single time, every single time. And they just, they break. So what's the benefit you know, of, what's the benefit for them to, to, to be like that? Like what is, like, because what if you, because remember the game is show me that you're strong. I'm going to be a nudnik. They say to prove, to make you prove you're strong. Because what's the alternative? Hey, where what, what's with the pita bread? You're right. I shouldn't have done it. I you no, know, I shouldn't have. What is that? You're waffling over these bunch of industry of women over you that are just waiting for you to break. Your job is to not break, but don't be a jerk about it. You know, put the tuna on the bread and send your kid a balanced meal in little plastic baggies in a little package. If they say we want a black package with a, a, a plastic top, okay, that's what we do. The black package with a plastic top. Today we want a white package with a plastic. Okay, today it's a white package. What I'm asking, what it, I mean, you know, I guess this is like the the, the question that's that you know you can ask all over the world. But what is the benefit uh, or use of them trying to continue playing this game? I mean, how long does this last for? Because it's, in, it's, in, it's, in Israel, in most governments, a woman is. A suitable mother until proven otherwise mm-hmm. right cases of law you have to and prove then, things in law man this is court this, and is, this, is, this, court. this is precisely the type of uh change that we want to see i mean this is exactly. precisely the type of change so that we want to see in israel in canada in america right. all over the world and, 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 until you give birth to a kid which you're not you're a man you got to prove you're guilty you until have, proven innocent yeah, you got to prove that you have motherly instincts because on paper, you do not have motherly instincts. Only a mother does. Prove me wrong. And so your job is, all right, I will prove you wrong. Right? But you're, don't do it like a guy. Don't say, <laughs> well, my kid can handle the cold weather. No, he can't. On paper, kids get cold, they get temperatures, and they get sick. So how are you going to handle that? All right. I you use wisdom. Okay, I will put long sleeve on my kid until the month of March because on paper it only gets hot in March. Period. You play a game. It's a it's a it's a textual game. This is where my my yeshiva my my Jewish background served me well. You want to play a paper game? All right, we'll play a paper game. 
When does it get hot? In March. You don't question it. In March, you can wear a short sleeve shirt. In February, you don't. You, you know, we, you, can't, you can't forget to send your kids to school without food. Kids die that don't eat. Now, is that true? No. On paper, yeah. Okay, make sure every day you send food, right? Make sure you never go late to school. No room for mistakes, huh? What's that? There's no room for mistakes. No, you got to prove that you're a mom. You got to prove it. So you're tired and you're hungover, whatever it is, get up at 7 a.m., get the showers done, get them dressed, go to get them, just get out the door. If you got to come home and pass out at 9 a.m., that's what you'll do. Between 7 and 9, you got a job to do. Get them to school clean and dressed and fed. I, told, I, think, I, I think that's clear and I think that's that's I think that's an obvious I would say for all parents that we should we should see that it as is something. but so many people and so first of all so many moms I met over the years don't do it yeah. and so many guys I know wouldn't do it yeah <laughs> and, you know, my my wife called me before she died and and she gave like the, the goodbye right and I said all right look I don't know what's going on with you but and I didn't know but I said, look, the kids are happy, comfortable, and being taken care of. So I said to my kids last week, I said, guys, I told your mom three things. I said, tell me if I'm a liar. I told her you're happy, comfortable, and being taken care of. Has that ever been not true in your life? And I said, yeah, that pretty much sums up our childhood. And how old are they? Now they're 11 and 10 or 11. And that was my, that was my thing. Make sure they're happy, meaning all this crap going on, don't bring your stupid spousal fights into their life and the court and the grandparents. They didn't know from Borscht about this. Don't nice. bring that in. Keep them happy Absolutely. and oblivious. Number two, comfortable, right? Come, you know, I mean, in a religious world, you, you know, we don't watch movies and TV. And I remember laying there one of the first nights and I thought, how dumb is that, man? So I went to the hardware store and I bought a DVD player. I'm like, we're watching DVDs. You know, every day I'm bringing home new DVDs, all these goofy little kid shows. And I'm like, we're watching DVDs, comfortable, right? I thought, what do kids like to do? Slide. I went and bought a plastic slide to put in the middle of the living room. We're having a little slide, right? Just give them fun. Happy, comfortable, taken care of. Always have the food, right? shower every night you know turn the heaters on don't skip but we can't pay that electric bill put the heater on right you know we can't there's no time for a shower and i put them in the shower period happy comfortable taken care of be a strong father legally not in your own mind that i dictate the rule you don't dictate anything it's a paper game yeah so i want to i want to point this out here and this is something that i've i found often with uh you know, people that uh, I've had conversations with many men is that that sometimes they're, you know, there's a struggle against authorities and you, you know, will know deep down inside that what's going on in the courts or what's, you know, what's going on is not, not, not okay. It's not moral. And unfortunately, there's some men out there that will go ahead and, and you know, push back against you know, against, uh, you know, a law or against certain, you know, certain things that the court might say. And I've, you know, it's, it can be very, very, uh, it can cause a lot of problems for them, cause, cause you know, men like, to, you know, lose chances to see their kids. And, and what, I guess what I'm 
hearing from you here and 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 I appreciate that is is playing their game at the end of the yes. day you know we need to understand who you know what is going on here it doesn't mean that there's no room for activism that there's not you know that there's no room for making a stand but guys men men we have to be smart about this we have to be smart about what it is that we're doing how we're doing it because at the end of the day, the cards are stacked against us. So I'll tell you the stand I took. So, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you yeah. the stand I took. You want to check me out, right? Every day of my life, you want to check me out. Yeah. I said, who's checking out the grandparents? They, you know, they're they're in mourning. Who's checking out their mental state? So the social worker looks at me and she says, nobody. I went off. I'm like, no one's checking them out. Right, so that's when you make the stand, right? Who's checking them out? You want to check me, and then you go off, because that's like checkmate, right? It's like yeah, we, we are here. in the Middle East, <laughs> right? Right, but we like, are in the Middle East. Is it like this in in the United States? Is it like this in Europe? I don't know, you know. But right, I mean, but I'm saying when you get the angle to prove your point, yeah, is when you put Absolutely. the pedal to the metal. You don't but just put remember, guys, if you're metal, if you're in uh, North Dakota yelling at them might not work they right you gotta find out the culture of where you're at yes the point is you make your stand where you make your stand and you yeah. don't where you don't yeah I, I, again it's you know they're not totally wrong on certain things like get your kids clean fed right just do it but where they're gonna try to you know get a whatever on you take your stand because again that's they consider that oh he's being a strong father they're going to challenge you. Are you being strong where you should be? See your values are there. The boundaries are there. The rules are there. They want to see that there is consistency there. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So again, just, uh, you know, like I said, the end of the story made sense that I had a, I didn't know the game until I sued the grandparents. The game was, I was becoming what's called a strong father legally. I didn't know that, but that's what was going on. And that's what started when I got the two bedroom apartment. That's the beginning of it. Don't get the little hole in the wall. My kids will sleep on the floor. Get the two-bedroom apartment. Think about what is it to be a strong father? Legally. It's going to be the best for them, absolutely. Yeah. Legally. And also, listen, at the end of the day, I do think it's important that the kids have, you know, have space in the house. We, we, I think both of us know that it's better for them. At the end of the day, you know, I, I would say, though, you know, this is an interesting question. Is a child better off in their, you know, one you know, uh, one bedroom apartment with their dad and rather than, you know, being with social workers, that's without a question. I would, I would lean to be with the dad, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And everything's different. Like that's not, that's not a reason to take kids away. You know, if, you know, absolutely. But but, but the thing is, the parent is so important. Yeah. Right. But dad's got to up his game. We're saying dad doesn't stay. See, I was in my little hole in the wall. But, you know, I realized I got to constantly evolve my game, right? I was constantly upgrading their life, constantly, 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 to where now I got a nice place in Jerusalem, married with a new kid, and, you know, now they have a new brother, and look around. I mean, none of this existed. None of this was around when when they came back in 2002. None of it. Zero. Not one pair of underwear for the kids. You know, and so, and they've never known this. They've only known stuff. And so, so that's special. the game is, is just being there and providing. Even when you got nothing, just know it's going to come. So you, you had all this going on. You had, 
social workers coming in, okay, dealing with that for three years. And uh, you just, just share a little bit about, uh, you know, it's interested, interesting to hear a little bit about your work. I mean, you're working as a rabbi, um, generally, you know, rabbis work with, um, are working with Jews mainly, but you're also teaching with um, communities of so non-Jews, right? The crazy yeah. part of the story that you're touching on is she leaves with the kids. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, the, yeah, you're, sure. yeah. And I'm like, I got no money, nothing. Cause she, I, we had, I had a car with her and I was teaching English at the time. She takes the car, mm -hmm. lost a job. Cause I was, I was actually teaching English in Muslim villages in the mm -hmm. North of Israel. Mm -hmm. So now they, they don't, you know, I have no transportation. So mm -hmm. I thought, you know, this is a problem, right? And I unplugged the phone, computer. And I said, you know what? You say you're a rabbi, you claim to have wisdom. So let's show, show up for it. Figure it out. Figure out how to make money. If you have wisdom and you're this guy, then you should figure it out. So I sat down with a notebook paper for three days and I was living on like hot dogs. Like you just, you know, bare minimum. And the next door neighbor was uh, not a non-Jew and interested in Torah, which is called a Noahide. And he starts hanging around in or in the Bible, kids, in the, right? What's that? In the Bible, just to explain Torah, yeah. not. Uh, yeah. And yeah. before I got my kids back, he was actually renting the second room from me. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I was paying the rent, covering the rent. And he says, you know, your your material, because we were talking, you know, stuff, and he said you would be really good for the non-Jews. So I Google, just like you know, blah 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 blah, and a week later I negotiate teaching online back when that was a chiddish or as a, as a novel a novel thing teaching online uh 500 bucks a month da, 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 and i had nothing coming in so now i'm making 500 bucks a month and then i got another gig and teaching the, uh, the jewish yeah. version of the bible in yeah. um online to communities right. where uh, in texas but online Love the resourcefulness here again. I just, I mean, that's really, it's really inspirational to hear what uh, the resourcefulness and how you created that. You know, it's just, just, just give a little, little nugget here. You did it. I mean, what do you mean? I just did what you, what exactly did you do? I listened to it. I, I heard him say it. Like I heard, you know, hey, you would be good. You know, hey, you would be good at that, right? And just went yeah. in. Like, yeah, why not? So you You're contacted, right. you went out and you looked for contacts and That's you it. contacted, contacted the first phone number I found, called them up, negotiated the deal. And I knew I had a good product um, and it sold. And at the same time, the product was uh, what classes that you had already created. It's a little bit hard to say in English. Yeah. I'll say it like this. Noahide is the non-Jew in the Bible, right? Noahide is English for the Hebrew, which means son of Noah. Uh -huh. Noah biblically had three sons. Now, one of the sons' name was Shem. Where you and I lived in the north of Israel, the name of the synagogue was named after Shem. So I lived on that campus. I lived right next door. Wow. So I was talking about the sons of Noah every day to right. a guy who was a son of Noah. Mm. So he was saying, there's more of me out there. You're telling me about the sons of Noah. You live on the campus of the sons of Noah. 
why don't you go tell the greater world of the sons of Noah about the sons of Noah? That's so, really I, cool. so I, wow. so I called about guy, synchronicity. I said, yeah. I said, I live at the institution of the sons of Noah, and I'm a rabbi. Would you like me to teach about that? So I taught 34 classes about the sons of Noah from the campus of the sons of Noah. You can't go wrong. Wow. You cannot it's like a, go it's wrong. A, it's like alignment. Yeah. You know, there's a it's synchronicity. So, Pratis. Divine providence. So I Divine knew yeah. he was not going to say no. The interweaving of the tapestry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no way he was going to say no. No way. That is and so, so cool. I had, I had a, another moment of that where someone on Facebook, you know, you know how on Facebook, you don't even know half your friends, right? You just friend somebody. So somebody popped up on my wall in a newsfeed looking for a service in Kabbalah of something that I was studying in the Jewish school. And so I PM that person and they're willing to pay me a hundred bucks to do this service. It was, it was giving the uh, mystical meaning of their names. Nice. And so then that, that business took off and now I was making like 2000 bucks a month with that names, 500 from this thing. So I'm making like, you know, two, $3,000 a month, which in Israel is a lot of money. It's, you know, more than in America. So now the ex-wife thinks I'm like lazy, not working. I'm always at, at home answering the phone. I mean, I'm always home. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm overnight when I meditated on how to make money, $3,000 is coming in out of nowhere. Yesterday it was, and today it is. So now I have money to rent a car, to go see the kids once a week. And I'm like rebuilding my life. I got a new computer. Remember, this is 2011, 2012. It's a long time ago. But I'm, I'm rebuilding all of this stuff. Like I said, I got my first smartphone. So now when she dies, I'm ready. Like I have an income. And I'm like recognized globally as this innovative teacher for the non-Jewish Bible. And this is all happening. And I get the kids back and I can take care of my kids. I guarantee you I would have lost my kids if I had no money. If I did not have, if I would have wasted those nine months figuring out what to do, I would not have been able to take care of my kids. No way. No way. But I got on the ball. I saw you got to figure it out. You just got to figure it out. Yeah, there's something special there about uh, having, you know, uh, these things aligned. It just seems very in line with, you know, with yourself and what you've learned and, and a lot of the synchronicity of these things happening. And really, it seems um, I love hearing about stuff like that. And, you know, I think there's also something about being in the in the state of mind, being in that space where where you're seeing it happening um, and that you're able to to go down the path. You know, I, I wish that every person is, you know, like, I, remember, blessed with that, you know? I remember times when like, I didn't know how to pay rent and then boom, a thousand dollar donation would come in. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, that was timely. There's always wow. been that thing. And so now again, the year is 2012 and I'm working world recognized rabbi, widower, father of two kids in that weird wrestling things there. Like, you know, I'm working, I'm studying and I'm mourning, you know, like I'm crying about her, you know, trying to figure out like, I didn't miss her so much. It's like, who was she? And what was that? And what was going on? And why did we get married? And these kids are so little and I'm changing diapers and the social worker's calling. And I got to go to the, see this therapist because they mandatory make it. And I got to prove that we're mentally okay and holding it together and getting the kids to school. 
when the social workers came and got my kids back, I asked for a, a van pickup to take me to school. And they're like, nope, you got to walk half a mile. So the city is freezing cold, windy and rainy in the winter. And I'm walking half a mile each way with the kids in a double stroller. Because God forbid they should give uh, a ride to the kids. They want to see how much is this guy going to press forward? So I'm getting up seven in the morning, walking up hills in the cold, rain, windy, you know, getting them to a, a van pickup because the van pickup won't pick me up in front of my house. They are not making it any easier on you. They, I mean, how hard is it to call the van guy? Hey, can you stop, you know, half a, a mile before your next stop? No. Yeah. But no, we're not going to do that. So, you know, putting that together, that all was going on in my head. But again, that wrestling thing is like there. It's like, you know, which one of these things doesn't fit? And again, the Olympic Games happened and I'm following and becoming a fan. And that's going to go for four years, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. By 16, I've published three books or two books on my field, traveling internationally, um, very known in the field. Uh, it's controversial, uh, you know, I'm feeling it physically. And now it's the 2016 Rio Games. So I'm really getting into wrestling now. It's like, I'm, I'm just getting into it. I don't know. Um, I'm loving it. I'm loving being a fan. I, I'm following it. I'm talking about it. But I'm not doing anything. I'm certainly not exercising. I got the kid thing down. Court left me alone. Three years have passed. I'm the father. No question. Custody-wise. Dealing with the Nodnik grandparents. Um, you know, my mother's traveling back and forth. And she hates the town we're in. So she wants to move central towards like Jerusalem, Tel Aviv. So I thought, you know, I want to be near Ben Gurion Airport because I'm traveling like three or four times a year. So we move. And in the town we moved to, it's a total reversal. It's like modern and everyone's fit and they're all jogging. And everyone goes to the where mall. Did, where did you move? Modine. <laughs> so it's like, you know, from Spock to Modine, I'm going to like, I'm, you know, from 2001 till 2016. Just, I you're going from a place that nobody gives a shit about exercise and everyone's either smoking weed or meditating, right? And, right. Most, and it is, you know, a high level of poverty over there. Like, so you know, there's so many people that don't have jobs because they don't want to work. <laughs> they don't want right? to work. I'm wearing pajamas and Crocs for right. 15 years. For Not 15 stop. goddamn years. And then, right, and then... And your move to the space is like, totally new, right? A much, you know, more American style, upper, you know, upper middle like class. Tech guys, you know, the you know, startup nation people are there, you know, commuting to Tel Aviv, and they're all slick and jogging and they get their hair cut. They're nice all wearing and, shirts like you're wearing right now. That's it. And it's like the spot <laughs> crew shows up with their Crocs and pajamas. And so get this, I go to I go to my, my synagogue, the closest uh, synagogue down the street from my house. Who do you think I, I, I pray next to every every weekend? The chief rabbi of Israel, who's like the our version of the Ayatollah, Rev. David Lau. Really? Yeah. He lives in Modine? Yeah, he lives in Modine. He was the chief rabbi of Modine. So he's in I'm now this goofy spot, Noahide rabbi thing. And I'm praying next to the chief rabbi of Israel every week. Wow. Lau, Rabbi Lau, is that the one? Yeah, Rabbi David Lau. So it's like, how in the world is this going on? And he's the one that like, can, has the power to ratify my work. 
So the controversy of my work is, does this non-Jew in Bible exist or not? And in 2014, he came out on record saying it exists. And they're all saying like, it does, it doesn't. I'm sitting there praying next to the guy. It's weird. So, you know, publishing books now at that time, and, you know, this culture of non-pajamas, non-crocs, going to like an upscale mall is wearing on me. I'm realizing like, you look a little weird with the crocs and, <laughs> and it's like, you go to the mall. And, and so now I'm dating women and I'm more stable, like with my kids, my work, and I'm traveling, I got a resume and I'm this fat guy of 270 pounds. And I'm dating this same woman, it seems like, in Jerusalem. Every time, it's like the same type. They're all from Catamon, the singles, like, like, like in, in New York. <laughs> what do you want with me in this crowd of women? Like, why? It's the same one every time. And they're like, you know, he's in this. But there's something not there with this guy. He's with it, but there's something missing. I'm like, Oh, you don't, you know, it's because you just got to get out of those Crocs, man. Right. And it's like, I remember, pants. I remember I dated one seriously, and I'm like, you know what I'm going to do different on this date? I'm going to go buy some leather like sandals instead of the Crocs. <laughs> so oh, I'm training the Crocs. And I started swapping everything in my life, right? The Crocs went out for like leather sandals, and the goofy shorts went out for like a more nicer shorts. And the goofy shirt, I started swapping, swapping, and swapping. And then I'm cleaning up the office and I'm making it more just business professional. They don't have pants for men 275 pounds in Israel. There's Do one they? store in all of Israel. It's called ML. Guys, let's just, it's anybody here that wants to, uh, wants to make a massive profit, you can come here and open up a store for overweight people because. Right, there's only one. You know how I found the store? I was, I was walking downtown one day in one of, one, I don't even know what, what city I was in. And I found this big dude and i said hey where'd you get that shirt and he's like <laughs> and he says because i had my mom send me clothes from america they were i'm like where did you get that and he's like there's a mall called in the store called ml i'm like i'm on it I'm like, Go to ML. and so I, they have like these cheap shirts made in china like you can get like like five of them for like you know 200 shekels right like huge 5x shirts and i'm just shopping there and so again, I'm dating these women. They're all from New York. And I'm like, all Jerusalem, New York. And they're like, what do you want from me? Like, you know, I'm not for you. What do you want from my Your life? Style. Yeah. Right. And they're, I just, we just, they, they keep pushing me in that world. And so finally by where we at 20. So I think it was July of 18. Like I said, I'm now beaten down. Um, I'm 40 years old. I secured my kids, got recognized my work. I'm publishing. It's all there, but I, I do want to get married. I don't want to have any more kids because I can't handle that. I'm overweight. I'm out of shape and I, I'm done. And, and most of the women. 2018. What's that? 2018. And all these women want to have kids. So it's like, we want to have kids and he's overweight and, uh, and he comes from spot and he wears Crocs. So, I'm on that tour. Something switches. I say I want to lose weight. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. I'm on this like family tree roots history. And I'm telling people this BS story. Next time you see me, it's going to be different. I don't, I, I half believed it. I had no plan. I don't know. So I get home. 
and I and it's June of 18. I sign up to the gym. I follow through. I want the sauna steam room. I just want that jacuzzi. And I'm like, all right, if I'm already here, I guess I might as well do something. And I had bought some gym clothes in Texas that trip. So I don't look totally stupid at the gym. And I had this chiropractor friend who was, who was you know, working the, the infill on me. Like, you know, it's about calories and the food. And he, he kind of gave me those nuggets, but it, it didn't, I don't, I don't know what you want from me. He's like, why don't you go for a walk? I'm like, man, it's Modine. It's bloody hot out there, man. It's like a hundred degrees. It's, it's humid. I'm not going out there to sweat. So nothing he said was really working. And he says, you got a blender. Why don't you just like make a fruit shake and it's a meal replacement. And then you, you can reduce your calories. I don't even know what a calorie is. I've heard about it like you and everybody else. I don't know what it is. I'm like, all right, so we're going to put in there like milk and ice cream and honey. He's like, no, 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 man. You just put basic fruit. I'm like, but it, it's got to taste good. So, <laughs> so I, I, I gave him an inch. He's like, just go to the store. I promise you it'll taste good. He says, get, get watermelon and cantaloupe and, and frozen strawberries. And it'll be good. So I did. And I tried it. And I'm like, man, this is really good. I like it. And I always like smoothies. I mean, everyone, everyone likes a smoothie. Come on, get a life. If you don't like a smoothie milkshake, man, smoothie king in America, whatever, everyone likes a smoothie. We love it. But I mean, I, I got to have, you know, I like my Ceylon in there. Yeah. And he, he, he can honey. it'll be, a you know, whatever a meal replacement is. I don't even know. But the big moment, the big, big, big moment is he got me percolated. And I'm laying on the floor in this big beanbag chair we had. And I'm Googling, like, that's my, my claim to fame, right? Google the non-Jew and Torah. And I'm, I'm Googling, like, what is calorie? You know, how to calorie? I'm just letting the mind go, right? Letting it work, letting it work. Somehow, you know, because, you know, when you Google enough, you start cross-referencing stuff. And I found out the secret code, so to speak, the dieting, right? It really is. I found out there's something called the calorie deficit that if you can remove 500 calories from your daily intake, you'll lose a pound a week, right? 500 times seven, seven days a week is uh, 15, what was it? 3,500 is one pound lost. So if you can remove 3,500 calories, you will lose a pound. So again, just like the social work. 500 calories from the amount that you're already eating. But the, that's the question. That's the question. So my mind says, that doesn't make sense. If I eat 5,000 calories a day, which is a ton, and I just pull back 500, all this weight? See, they always give you a little bit of the story. They never give you the whole story. The real story is, dumbass, you can't eat 5,000 calories a day. The starting number is 2,000. Oh, you didn't tell me that. You just said pull it back 500. You didn't tell me I can't be eating 5,000. You didn't tell me what the starting number is. So I had to work out and research what's the starting number, 2,000. So the diet is get to 5,000 and look at your stupid mistakes in 5,000. Pizza, brownies, popcorn, cookies, Coke. Now, eliminate the really dumb ones. Did you need to eat the whole pie? No. 
You did not need to eat the whole pint. Did you need to drink the two liter of Dr. Pepper? No, you didn't. And you know that. You don't need explanation there. So you're eliminating the pie, the Dr. Pepper. Now you're from 5,000, which is totally out of control. So let's say 3,000, 4,000. Now there's an app called Lose It. And you start putting in your data, whatever you eat. So now you see the the the, the kind lose of it. that's the app that you that we're yeah, using. Lose it. It's called the Lose It app. Okay. And you track what you eat. So now you can find your semi dumb mistakes, right? You are eating scrambled eggs with cheddar cheese, uh, potatoes, and, and and sour cream. And so that's a that's a an honest dumb mistake. You you are doing good with the eggs and protein. And then you added 700 calories of fat to it in your cheese and your cream and extra carbs in the potatoes. So now eliminate the cheese, eliminate the sour cream, pull out those potatoes and put in green onions and tomatoes. Now you just lost 700 calories. So now you're, you were at 3,500. Now you're around 2,200. Now I can work with you. See, now you're getting normal. Now you scale back that 500. Now the fine tuning comes in, right? So now you got to find that 500. You got rid of the sour cream. You got rid of the pie and the pizza. Now you got to figure out, okay, so I shouldn't have uh, three hamburgers. I'll have one. You know, one hamburger. chicken soup? Or chicken soup. You just start making those swaps. Just like we did with the Crocs and the leather shoes. You keep making the swap. So you get rid of the, maybe you get rid of the bread. You get rid of this. You get rid of that. And eventually you were You're taking out. small, listen, let's, we're making small steps, yeah. right? We're making switches. Small um, switches. Small switches. So if you gradually. can get off of the three meals a day to two meals a day, and make one of those meals a really bomb milkshake. Load it up. I'm talking the whole jug. It's called high volume, low calorie. Watermelon, cantaloupe, strawberries, very sweet, very tasty, high volume, low calorie. Fill that baby up. Put in some protein powder if you want to make it taste good, right? But load up on it, you know, maybe fast in the morning. And now you're bloated and stuffed on a milkshake that cost you 600 calories. That is nothing. And you are walking around like a, like a butter ball so full and you, and you, there's zero consequence. You're stuffed until dinner. Dinner comes, you now have, let's say if your budget, you're, you get a daily budget, right? If you go over your daily limit, you're gonna gain weight. So if you're like per, plus 3000 calories, you're already starting to gain weight. If you're sub 2,500 or if you're at 2,500, you st you're stable. If you go beneath 2,000, you're already tilting towards losing weight. So again, we got you out of ridiculous mode and you, you can't be in stable mode because you got to reverse the fat loss. You're not in stable mode yet. So you got to reverse it. That, that reversing, you have a daily allowance of about 2,000 calories. So you want to get that Hold on, it's, 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 it's going to, when you're saying you have a daily limit of about 2000 calories, we're talking, this is the average yeah, um, yeah. based upon height, 
Um, you Most know, people, people come, you know, unless you're on a medical issue. A buddy of mine's got a much higher one because he's like six four, right? If you're at you know five seven five nine, you should weigh about one seventy. If you're if you're where if you're on target, right? So if you're just a regular build, no major health issues, you should be aiming to uh, be stable around twenty five hundred calories. If you're out of control, you're over three thousand calories, and you want to get it in a in a fat loss state of under 2000. So let's say if I'm, I'm about 5'11", right? Yeah. And uh, five, I mean, but I'm also, I'm, I'm relatively uh, mus, you know, muscular. And so I'm about 182, right? So what's my, what would your recommendation be? So if I were to work with you right now, yeah. right? You just told me you're 5'11", 182. Mm-hmm. So you're obviously not obese. You're not fat. So what's your goal? We know, we know your goal. You want to lose body fat. That's why you're coming to me right now. You're 5'11", 182. You want to lose body fat. You have fat. You do. So I would look up right now your, B, your BMI. What is your math? Remember, it's like, it's like being a strong father. It's all these mathematical games. What is the, the right calories per day? What is the right recipe of a father? What is your right body type on paper? It's not real. On paper, you have a BMI, and that you, you type in BMI calculator on Google, and you put in 5'11". Let's do it right now. Ready? Right, man. Let's do this. Figure out who you are. Let's figure it out. BMI calculator. And we're going to find out what your on paper ideal weight is. Now, this is not real. It's a fictitious figure, but it's a good goal. But to put your uh, mind, it does. Mind. It doesn't take into account my uh, my Muscle. musculature. No, right. that's why we just want to figure out mathematically who are you. One eighty two. So one eighty two. Your BMI is twenty five point four. You are overweight, right? Now again, that doesn't take into account your muscles. Like if I have, if if you can see my my abs when I flex. Does that yeah. have anything to do with my body mass index or could it be that, you know, where my- uh, No, body, this body, then BMI only cares about numbers. It doesn't know who you are. It doesn't care about abs. It doesn't know you live in the weights. It doesn't know. You're some 5'11 guy weighing 182. It doesn't know where the fat Meaning is. This, uh, it doesn't know where your muscles are. So what was the percentage again? What, what was it that you said? Your BMI is 25.4 and you're barely overweight. So- Let's pull it back. What's your BMI at 175? Let's just see. Yeah, it, it, you're going to be mommy, like totally spot on if you lose seven pounds. You need to lose seven pounds. So why would you do that? If you lost seven pounds, I'm guessing your body fat percentage now, it's no more than 15, and you're definitely not under 10. You're between 10 and 15% body fat, definitely. You're not over 15, you're not under 10. So if you come to me, you would want to, if you were to get your BMI down, you would be wanting to lower your body fat percentage to under 10, which that is like where your muscle definition is popping, no question. Under 10% under body fat, you will show definition. So you would do that by, uh, you would have to have a very strong calorie deficit. I'm guessing 
you would have to be right around 1500 and you would not be able to compromise because to get your body fat lower on that level, you got to have a really strong deficit. Under 10%. Yeah. You would be pulling in 1500 calories, hitting the gym and really doing some good fat burning. Understanding you're not putting in two days. If you're going to be like a football star putting in two days, then you would need more calories. But if you're going to put in one gym session a day, you need to pull your calories down to about 1500 to get their, your BMI, uh, which you're accomplishing a lower body fat percentage, which would be under 10. Now you don't need it, but you're coming to me. You want that. You're saying, right. I want to be 175 and I'm 182. That seven pounds is the most stubborn seven pounds you're going to lose. That's interesting because I, as I would say, as of uh, I mean a year ago, give it a year and a half ago, I was at about one seventy two, and um, I switched up my I mean I switched up my exercise meaning I was more at the gym and also lifting heavier weights, so I'm pretty sure that I bulked up uh, in terms yeah. of muscle mass. Yeah, so I mean when I lost not. my weight, I uh, I obviously I got rid of my deficit and I upped my calories and I put on a bunch of mass. And uh, I have a rule. I, I don't ever, ever want to get out of size small. That's like my, that is my rule. So I don't, don't want to get a what? I don't ever want to outgrow a size small. I don't want to ever go to a medium. I want to be a small. Mm -hmm. So I, I will not let myself gain muscle mass ever again. More. I think it's pretty incredible. I think what's pretty inspiring for me is this, uh, this massive change that you've had on every, every level, but especially, um, the body transformation at, at your age. I mean, you're not old, but you're right now in the best shape that you've ever been in your life. It seems. Yeah. I mean, I am, I could kill the 16 year old version of myself. I am I'm way better than he was way better. It's incredible. And also I think the amazing thing about also the, the weights pushing the weights is that increasing your testosterone levels is, yeah. uh, I mean, my confidence is back. I mean, just everything. My health is spot on. Being able to wear clothes, man, you know, being in that one store in the mall. It's funny. I'll tell you a funny story about it though. I when I lost the weight, I went back to that store ML and I wanted to like nostalgia go in there. They threw me out. They, they thought I was being rude and like condescending, like, get out of here. You know, you don't belong here. There's nothing for you here. I was like, you what totally, you didn't realize that? you were so yeah. used to it. Wow. Yeah, they, they literally got like pissed and they threw me out. So, I mean, how long did it take you using your uh, particular method to uh, to lose all this weight? Six, Six months. months. Yeah. Six months, you went from what weight to what weight? 270, 155. Guys, this is huge. From 275 pounds to 155 pounds uh, with diet. And we're not, this is no ketone stuff because, you know, everyone's into the whole ketone diet. Yeah. Now, every diet leads to this. They're all they're all saying underneath it calorie deficit. It's like that's the joke yeah. on Instagram. The fitness trainers are like, I'm on the keto, I'm on the paleo, and all the arrows are like, Oh, you mean calorie deficit? Now, I'm on right. weight watchers. Oh, you mean calorie deficit? Just you know, different fancy and different you know different ways to cut out and or focus on particular foods. Right. I mean, and, what what uh, is intermittent fasting? If I don't eat a lot today then my window is shortened and I will not accumulate calories. That's exactly keto? what it is, right? Right. What is keto? 
I will choose my calories through foods that I enjoy, which is fat and protein and leave out the carbs, which the theory of carbs, and it's true, you will pot, carbs are useless. Like mm-hmm. I will go through 10 bowls of cereal for nothing. And what do oh, you get man. out of that? Nothing. Uh, I, 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 listen, yes. Let me tell you what you would get out of that, bro. You fucking enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes, so, once in a while, oh, just to have those that cereal. I mean, I, I don't buy it in my house just for that sake. I mean, some my, sugar my, when crisps, my wife gave birth, delicious sugar crisps. She 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 got transferred obviously out of her ward <laughs> into the birthing room, right? So she's like, David, can you go get my stuff out of my room? I'm like, I don't know when this baby's gonna be born. So this could be a while. She had a box of unopened raisin bran. And I'm like, well, let's just finish off this baby, right? It's, like, yeah, it's good. Raisin bran is delicious. And funny thing about raisin bran is that you know that those little raisins are coated in, I think, hydrogenated like vegetable oil or some crazy shit like that. I like, know, and, and sugar coated as if raisins need sugar coating on. You know? And I just had like a whole box and it's like, oh, what about man, the sugar? It's so stupid. Huh? And that's the thing in, in America, you know, you're just so, so much processed food, everything everywhere, but specifically so dude, in the I, States, when I went to a Texas, sugar in everything, when I went to Texas, everything is sugar. Yeah. I went to Texas on this last trip, but it's so and, good. Oh, so listen, so good. I went to, I went to Texas and when I was 20 years old, I was working at a comedy club in Tampa and I would do my shopping at Walmart 24 hours at like three in the morning. I go to Walmart and there's no one there. So I'm, on, I'm in my hotel in Texas, and I thought, man, I haven't been to Walmart at three in the morning since I was 20. So I called uh, Uber, and I, and I had him take me to Walmart. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I got nothing better to do. I'm jet lagged, awake in my hotel. So I'm in Walmart. And I thought, you know what? Number one, I keep kosher, Jewish food. Number two, I'm on a diet. I said, let me go through the food section of Walmart. I got nothing better to do. My, 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 my people I work with won't be up for three hours. I'm totally wired jet lagged. I'm going to look at every single food item in that store. And I went through and checked labels in every row, dry foods, frozen foods. And I thought, what would I eat if I was that 20 year old again right now? And I'm looking at it. It's like, you know, $5 TGI Fridays, burrito bean rolls, like 1,500, and it's standard, 1,500 calories, 350 grams, you know, 2,500 calories for one burrito roll. Yeah, and I'm like, this is insane. Like, I'm going to, for five bucks, I'm going to buy $15 worth. So $15 worth, think about that. It's like 5,000 calories in those burritos. And it's like less than a kilo of food. And then I'm thinking, I'm going to buy the Dr. Pepper, extras big size. And then I look at the nacho, like the, the, what do you call it? The Doritos, whatever, the nachos and the dip. Of course, I'm going to get the guacamole nacho cheese dip. That's like another 2,000. And I'm like, every product at Walmart is this. Every it's one. like three bucks for a giant bag of potato yeah. chips. Right. And they know that they know the game. It's like, Fortified with extra protein. (laughs) Buy this cheese with protein. I'm like, oh, okay. You know? Well, you know, there was a point in time, was it in the 40s or the 50s, where they realized that, oh, we're just going to add a little bit of sugar into everything. Bam. Sales sales went up (laughs) 
and and everything. People are buying kid, a whole lot my, more my, food. My kid that was just born, they asked me. Um, uh, we got him on Friday, and they said, "You want us to give a, a vaccination?" I said, "Yeah, all right." And we're not a big fan, but we'll do it. How do you think they dealt with his pain on the sure. vaccination? Sugar water. They gave the face sugar water. I'm like, my God, that's how medicine probably started. You can't swallow this crap. So they put sugar in it. And now yeah, biologically like, speaking, what's you know, what's the point? Is that I mean, we you know ev- you know, our evolution evolutionary the process has trained us to you know go after you know f- high calorie foods you know take a look at humans or you know whatever it is that you believe in but i personally believe that millions of years ago you know we were uh probably even shorter than a millions of years ago but as hunter and gatherers you know we're searching for that uh for the high calorie foods to sustain us and you know it's not coming around often we have fruits you know fruits often high sugar foods then and usually the high sugar foods have high calorie and those go hand in hand and in order to be able to know the game right well now it's just switched up right now 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 we've sort of used that and this is where where you know that um there's a whole there's a whole uh thing you know evolutionary uh biology within marketing and, and how that works and people are you know just using these triggers and in right. all of these uh, these little it tools to, to make people buy, buy more food and, and to enjoy it more. And, and lo and behold, we have a whole uh, you know unhealthy population, which right now is which right now is, is is pretty, you know, you're seeing how important it is to to stay healthy. You know, leave out, you know, heart disease, which is like the number one killer, right? I think above any other any other um, disease out there, but we have COVID. That's that's people that are overweight or more susceptible to it, and then and then then there's a whole you know study of, of cancer and how the idea is that that you know high sugar diets are are affecting you know the growth of tumors in our bodies. It's it. uh, I mean people don't know how calories work. They don't know the game, right? So most people are probably not even aware of what fresh squeezed orange juice tastes like. Because you're, you're, you're already poisoned. You're thinking Mountain Dew, Coke, Dr. Pepper, water, whatever it is. But focus and isolate your mind on fresh squeezed orange juice, right? It tastes amazing. It's super sweet, right? And so to get a big glass of that, you got to go through about five or six oranges. You remember Sunny Delight? Was it Sunny Delight? Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking the real thing. I'm talking like a machine, a crank machine, like fresh squeeze. Yeah, do you remember that sunny delight? Yeah. So when you eat an orange, one orange, you're getting the same carbs, but you're getting the fiber from the fruit. And you're not going to sit down and generally eat six oranges. But when you're going to crank out the machine, six oranges, and that concentrate, it's amazingly sweet and tasty. And what are you getting? You're getting pure refined carbohydrates. So what do you think McDonald's is? All you say, it's purely refined uh, processed food, whether it's the carbs, the fats, the protein, the salt. And you know, I took my son to a restaurant and I said, pretend that I'm not gonna eat this crap. I said, pretend I'll buy you anything on the menu. And he and he's looking through and he I said, I want you to find the healthiest thing. 
And it's the game we played, right? And he's looking through. He's like, I'll take this. I'll take that. And he said, really? You know what? I don't, you know, you either the stuff that I want, you won't let me have, like cheesecake. And the stuff that you want me to have, I don't want. I said, Reuven is my son. You're, you're full of it. I promise you there's nothing on this menu you won't eat. And I'm like, you'll, you'll say, well, I don't like fish. Yes, you do. You think you don't. The restaurant is designed to make you like it. All they do is put oil and butter and salt and sugar on that piece of fish. You might not be in the mood for filet of salmon, whatever it is. You might not be in the mood for it, but you will not return and say, this is disgusting. It's engineered to not be disgusting. No one ever said that butter, sugar, fat, salt, and oil ever tasted bad. Nobody. Love it. it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sugar water doesn't that, taste bad. It doesn't. I think you know what? There, there needs to be a uh, an NLP course or hypnotherapy course where we switch up people's associations with with butter enough that it's like disgusting, right? That that now you know these things are disgusting. Yeah, no, I figured that out. I figured it out. I you know I went to the super, I, when I when I go to the supermarket, you know, oftentimes away from my wife or my kids, right? So I just I love reading labels. Like, but if you give me five minutes to the supermarket, I'm just gonna go and turn the bottle around and read a label, right? And so I thought, I'm always looking for the old foods I would eat, right? What would I eat? You know, again, the Walmart game. So I found my uh, curry sauce, my green curry sauce <laughs> I used to make. I'd turn that bottle around. How many milligrams of sodium do you think is in there? 5,000. Now, you cannot eat that. You cannot consume a bottle of 5,000 milligrams. And so... When you find out how much is a Papa, a large Papa John's pepperoni works pizza, how many calories? Because I'll put down a large pizza. Just but let me get this, bro. You don't, you don't. That doesn't make you feel hungry. Like you're not attracted to that at all. Five thousand milligrams. Psychologically, you you've cannot, had to push it down. You, no, you can't, like, go, you can't you go, go there. The There's numbers, too much desire. Yeah. Once you know the numbers, you cannot physically go there. You can't. You can't. It's like when you know. That a Papa John's large pie that you want is 4,000 calories. And you know that you can't go over, let's say, 2,500 for the day. You will never rationalize eating that pie. You can't. So not even if it's so delicious? What if, what if we do 4, this? 4,000 calories. Okay, so we don't need to eat the whole pie. But what we can do is we ah. can fast. Right? <laughs> You fast, for, and then I, I swear to you that this is shit that I will do. I will not eat, and it just it just happens, you know. And then I've I've done my my uh, intermittent fasting, and and you know, and and now it's like two three o'clock, and and it, this is gonna be my dinner and my breakfast, and I'm gonna have a double Big Mac and fries and Coke. It is my favorite, and and I mean, how many calories is that right there? It's probably like. 1200 1, wow. 1300 right. so the game i play and then is, we're done <laughs> i choose the lesser of two evils you know, the game i play i never it's turn so out good. protein i'll never turn out protein so i'm gonna if i'm gonna do that i'm gonna save my, my calories i'm gonna eat like chicken breast like a kilo you do you do steak at all any lamb lamb i don't, I don't do red meat so much Chicken and uh, tuna steak for my for uh, for health reasons or just uh... no. I'm saying, look, everyone's gonna cheat some way, right? No one's perfect. So I'm saying, if I'm uh, the name of the game in fitness, right? Protein builds muscle mass. So if I'm gonna have a chink in my armor, I'm gonna say, let me at least get my protein macronutrients. 
if I'm gonna if I'm gonna enjoy my cheat meal, let me at least get something out of it. Give me get a return. So if I'm gonna get my twenty five hundred calories, what's that? How's that? What do you mean by cheat meal? That you're going over your amount? Like what does I, it mean that it's a cheat meal? I like to stay in a I like to stay in a deficit. I try, my goal is to be in a deficit every day. Mm. Do you track it every single day? Do you look at the? No, I've thing? got to the point now. You only need to track for about six months, and then you just know where you're at. You know what things are. Yeah, I want to do that experimentally. See what uh, you know what I'm intaking. I, what I'll do is I'll I'll write down the foods at the end of the day that I'm eating. But sometimes it's hard to you know how do well, you I? You got to meditate. Like put... In the shower, I'll meditate. All right, what did I do this morning? All right, you had. I'm thinking about it, right. You got the coffee, the almond milk, and then you had this, and then you had a hard boiled egg. At the end of the day, I'll do it. I have a little yeah. journal. I've you know I've created a it's a, a journal and. It'll go through, you know, my meals and go through things That's at it. the end of the day. Just, just put it, put it in there. I'm interested. The secret in is don't lie to yourself. Is. Don't lie to yourself. Like I'll lie. Like I'll say, like, yeah, you know, I had a salad, and I'm like, come on, man, you know, you put some cheese in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. That was probably an extra 150 calories. Because if you don't do that five times a day, that you lie to yourself, you lost your deficit. You put cheese in your salad. Um. <laughs> you had five dates you've had five pieces of chocolate yeah like it's just in your brain it's nothing but you know you had a bowl of soup and that's nothing but it adds up man five times a day you just lost your deficit you mm. can't lie i mean right. I can't the deficit is, is what's gonna keep keep us losing that weight yeah yeah so uh all right man this has been quite the quite the journey. I really, really appreciate this. And um, I want to share with everybody, everyone out there, that Dave has an incredible business where he coaches people. He does one-on-one -on -one coaching to help you guys lose weight. Uh, he calls, you know, check it out, www.calorie. Is it the, the calorie deficit? The, the calorie deficit. TheCalorieDeficit.com. Again, that's www.TheCalorieDeficit.com. And uh, you can see on his own body that the results are out fucking standing. It's absolutely amazing. I'm going to put the link in the comments below wherever you're watching this so that you guys can go check it out and, uh, you know, get yourself set up with uh, David, formerly Big Dave and now Muscle as Fuck Dave. Um, and yeah, I would, you know, reach out and, and I'm sure he'll be happy to help, um, everyone out there and all the guys on the group that are watching, if you guys are interested in losing weight again, here, I'll point this way. This is your man right here. One, this is thing man. I want to emphasize, yeah. and I'll close on this note, um, you know, I'm back in at the end of March this year, right? Just a month and a half, whatever ago we were getting news that maybe the gyms were going to close and I'm calling the gym and I'm like, are you guys going to close? They're like, no, man, you know, we're open. You're open. And my wife's like, don't be a dumbass. They're going to close. Yeah. So I'm laying on the couch on that Sunday. I'm like, the gym is closed. You know, they are really doing this thing. You know, I thought, all right, man, you've come a long way. You're going forwards or you're going backwards. And all I own is two pairs of dumbbells and an ab roller. And ankle weights because so i go to the gym all i talk about and i said you know what you are gonna make this work come hell or high water with what you got and so uh, the picture you posted 
and then I have a before and after picture. I've done now 21 corona, what I call corona workouts, where I had to up my game from doing cardio and muscle work at the gym to doing cardio and muscle work in my, my literally my office that you're seeing here. And the results are unbelievable. And I've learned how basically the gym is a bit of a scam. You don't need it. Right, there's tools. No, it's just it's it's mindset. going there. You know what I mean? It's it's it. going there. It's it's having that. You know, it's part of the routine for myself it's personally. It. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I loved it, but but there's a guy I follow on Instagram who's the strength coach for Ohio State wrestling team. That's partly how I got into this whole wrestling thing, right? But he's he's all about road work, running, hitting the road. And I can tell you, the first decision I made when Corona hit was because I lost my recumbent bike. I sit there at the gym and I bike and I do my 30 minutes, right? Got no bike. So I said, you're going to do hill sprints. A lot of them. Right. Yeah. So I get out there and I run the hill. I've never in my life felt just, you know, it's huge. The hill sprints. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I'm yeah, teaching yeah. people now, gym's great. I probably will go back to the gym in some capacity, but I'm teaching people, dude, you can do it with a set of dumbbells. Body weight, push-ups, sit-ups, and run that hill that's right outside your neighborhood. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah, I like to get out in the nature, run up these hills. That's my big one. I mean, what I personally like to do is get out and run in, uh, so I get, you know, the vitamin D, get the sun, get the green, get the air, that's what I'm get saying. the exercise and all It just doesn't, time. it's good, man, but this kind of stuff, it's just that next level gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gym, it's, it's, I don't do any running. I don't do any cardio at the gym. That's not, uh, also what I've been doing is um, I like to do a separate supersets of, uh, of jump rope, yeah, jump rope, uh, jump. It's literally jump rope, push up, 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 you know, Our, but it's been challenging. I was just watching an interview of uh, this guy who went into business with Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, and I guess they got together because this guy believed in Arnold's main thing. And Arnold's main thing, he says, the secret of his success was supersets. And people today don't do supersets. The supersetting is the pump. You know, talk about the classic pump doing the supersets. I personally like supersets. Uh, two reasons is that it, my heart rate stays up. I hate yeah. the gym is boring. It gets fucking boring for me. I love to keep the... I love to keep the energy going, keep it flowing. That's it. That's it. You know, my rule is, and, and then heart rate is keeping it. Also, when you're burning fat, also, you know. That's it. I, I judge my workout by the level of I wear two t shirts and a sweatshirt and a pair of sweatpants. So if I don't have sweat coming through the two shirts onto the sweatshirt, you didn't work hard enough. Yeah. It's good stuff. So, guys, again, uh, feel free to check out Dave. Please go ahead. I'm actually, don't feel free to go do it. Uh, you'd be doing yourself a favor. Absolutely. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing your story. And again, so, so important. There's a lot, a lot of value there for the single dads. You know, we went through the court systems, social services, right? It's all in there, man. The whole and we went through your whole, you know, there was a lot there and uh, I really appreciate you coming out. Really thankful that, uh, that you've done this. And uh, if you guys are watching this on uh, Facebook, guys, comment below. I, I haven't checked the comments because it's a little bit slow, but uh, feel free to pop pop in, ask Dave any questions. Dave is part of the group. Dave is in the group. 
um, reach out, send him a message, you know, uh, I'm sure he'd be happy to share with you guys. If you guys are going to watch this on YouTube, hit subscribe and again, comment too. love everyone. And I hope you guys are going to have a awesome uh, and healthy Corona and just flow with it. Bye guys. See ya. Thanks, man.